I'm Arya Schwartz, and welcome to the Winsider Show, where it's all about the W. The WNBA offseason is in full swing. Players are overseas balling out, and the WNBA talking heads are debating what free agency moves will happen or not. Winsider staff writer Owen Pence joins the show to discuss his recent publish of the free agent ranking lists. like our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash winsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget our amazing staff's written content over at winsider.com while you're there check out our overseas tracker which is live right now you can see where your favorite WNBA players are playing overseas all in one place broken up by WNBA teams this is an exciting one. Oh, and i'm glad to have you back on the show how are you enjoying the uh, the the little bits of free time now that the off season is here? Oh, I love it! I love it! I'm recharged. I'm I'm happy to be here, and uh, I feel like it's time to talk free agency now. We had a we had a little time to kind of you know ruminate on uh, on the playoffs, recharge the batteries, and now now I'm ready to to you know prognosticate and try to figure out where these uh, great players are going to land. And I think the the important part for this is every sports league does this. And and the most important aspect of this is keeping the conversation going during the offseason, something that us at Winsider are very dedicated in doing. It builds, you know, the fan bases screaming at each other. The players arguing, I would never go to that team, you know, under their breath when they read our articles. Coaches thinking we're crazy. Other coaches and GMs thinking we're geniuses. Things like that. I mean, all of this, continuing the conversation year-round is so important. That's why Winsider is dedicated to not only free agency coverage, but also overseas coverage, because in my opinion, that directly dictates what we're going to see in some ways in overseas or in the next season during free agency. But also you can kind of get a sense of where the younger players are in their growth when we see them overseas. So I think that's a huge aspect. That's something that Winsider has been dedicated to doing and attempting to grow uh, our coverage in overseas basketball. Uh, for a long time now, but let's hop in to the your list, your top twenty free agency list so far. Uh, as as we record this, twenty through eleven, eleven through twenty has been published. We will be publishing the top ten in two separate uh, publications. One of them, or not publications, but publishes. Uh, one of them will be six through ten, and the other one, obviously, top five. Uh, but let's let's break down the 20. Are there any caveats you want to give before we start breaking this down? Because what we're basically going to do, Owen, is you're I'm just explaining this to the fans. I know you already know what we're going to do. We're going to go down your list and I'm going to say you're crazy for this one or some people have voiced concern about this ranking and you're going to defend your position or explain the logic behind what you did it. But I, I want are there any caveats you want to do of why a player is missing from this list or anything like that? There's there there aren't really any caveats that I that I need to to mention up top here, um, other than that this is simply unrestricted free agents, so no restricted free agents on this list. The only other caveat really is that it's like pretty unscientific. It's just my personal opinion and <laughs> generated love it with the purpose of as you said keeping the conversation going. Um, you know I love seeing people kind of saying, oh I think this player would would fit on this roster? Or do you think that this player 
you know, might have any interest going here. Those are the conversations that are that are really fun to kind of get rolling. Um, so so that's kind of the only caveat here is that if you know, if you think that I'm a fool, you're likely correct. I am. And uh, and that's just part of the fun of, of all of this. Yeah. And uh, before we begin, I'll literally quote you before we begin a shout out to those who just missed the cut. The GOAT, Simone Augustus, Jessica Breland, Essence Carson, Kareem Christmas Kelly, Sydney Colson, Bria Holmes, Glory Johnson, Shanice Johnson, Alexis Jones, Jantel Lavender, Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis, Daniel Robinson, and Kia Vaughn. Without further ado, the list coming in at 20 is a legend of the W, Candice Dupree. I think Candice is a an interesting one, and I, I agree with you that she has to be a top 20. People, people can throw shade. Uh, in any in any direction that they want in the W. Obviously, everyone's play style is unique to it, but she's a vet who knows how to win. She's won at the highest level. Yes, right now she's on the Indiana Fever. Is she probably going to go back there? Yes. But could I see her being the type of player who can possibly, not, not personality-wise, I'm just talking about like her play style. I could see her as a six-woman off the bench. Heck, even a six-woman of the year. Like, that might sound crazy to some people, but I could see Candace Dupree late in her career, like right now, winning a six-woman of the year on a championship contention team. I would not be surprised to see that. Um, what made, let's let's kind of compare Candace Dupree and Tiana Hawkins, kind of w- what went into ranking them at 20 and 19, Tiana Hawkins at 19. Yeah, so this is an interesting one, actually, because originally I had Candace Dupree higher than Tiana Hawkins, and then, and then I switched that kind of at the last minute. Candace Dupree is absolutely a legend, and I couldn't agree more. I think she she definitely has you know six player of the year potential uh, still left in the tank. I think the issue in Indiana and what kind of led me to slide her to the twenty spot um, is just her fit kind of in the modern in the modern WNBA. She was playing a lot of stretch four for Indiana this year, and Marianne Stanley was relying on her. To, to start and to guard other teams' force. And that is where I just don't think she's a tenable option as a starter in the league anymore. Uh, you know, she's we can say it over and over, and it's true, she's a legend. Uh, but she's lost a step defensively, and that's entirely understandable. And it just makes it a little tougher uh, to slide her in to a bunch of different lineups. But the, the counter to that is, as you said, if, if you kind of put her in a similar role to what uh, Simone Augustus was playing last year for the Sparks, she comes off the bench, she fills it up, she's, she's kind of owning the mid-range as, as she always has. Um, I think she could easily you know, put, put up 10 to 15 off the bench, uh, and that's extremely valuable. I think a lot of teams would love to have a piece like that coming off the bench. Um, but as far as sliding her below Tiana Hawkins, I think that it, that's just an age thing, right? I think Hawkins has, has more left in the tank. Um, you know, Hawkins's shooting splits, uh, are pretty impressive. And I think she's someone who can actually extend her range beyond the three point line, which is something that we really have not seen consistently from Dupree, right? The, before the season, there were those, you know, the, the clips and kind of all the chatter about, oh, are, are we getting... Candace Dupree from three this year and it seemed like maybe she was going to try to extend her range it didn't really end up happening you know she took a couple over the course of the season but it wasn't anything significant so I think that's another factor is if you can have a member of the front court who stretches the range beyond the arc in 2020 and 2021 that's kind of what you're looking for 
Yeah, and I think Tiana Hawkins does all that. I mean, look, let's let's be blunt about Tiana Hawkins, and then we'll move on uh, to number eighteen. For Tiana Hawkins, for me, like I there. Look, you're gonna look at you're gonna see this list, and you're gonna see a lot of players who, well, funnily, funny, whatever the word is, on Indiana Fever, a team that has not made the playoffs for the past few seasons. Um, you're looking at a team that has a lot of players uh, in this in this top twenty list. Also, looking at you know the the Washington Mystics, you're going to see a few players from that list. And so, talking about the Washington Mystics, when you look at their championship run in the 2019 season, I think it's a little bit of the stats are going to lie to you a little bit. You're going to have players. I mean, in other sports leagues, I would call that a cash out season where you're playing for a championship team that has so much star power and everything's flowing so well. Are those stats really attainable for the long term for the rest of your career? I don't know. I don't think so. But you can cash in on the fact that you had that good year and you're a free agent coming up. And now players, coaches see this is what this player could do. And then that's going to get you to signing. So I completely agree. I think Tiana Hawkins is a great player. You know, I question whether or not, you know, what level she'll be. Is she a starter? I don't truly think so. Is she an amazing threat coming off the bench? Yes. And bench depth is something that everybody needs. We saw that in the WNBA finals where a couple players go down for the aces and all of a sudden it's a sweep. Um, We've seen that in a plethora of other teams. So Tiana Hawkins is another player you want to keep your eye on. And I agree, you know, the, the her ability to stretch it from beyond the arch arc is a huge deal. Let's talk number 18 and number 17. An Indiana Fever player and a Washington Mystic player, kind of. Natalie Achanwa comes in at 18 with Tina Charles at 17. Talk to me about where you kind of place them. Because I feel like, first of all, with Achanwa, everyone's going to talk about her intelligence. Cool. No one's going to debate that. But I think the real debate here is kind of, is she the right fit for Indiana? And I, I feel like people are kind of on either side of that coin. They either love her or they hate her as a basketball aspect. Uh, talk to me about 18 and 17. Yeah, so this is kind of an interesting spot because the kind of the way I broke down this list, to me, the top 15 are like surefire starters, un, undeniable. These are people who could be slid into starting lineups and good starting lineups right now, and they'd fit and, and you could win a championship. The, the, the five people from 16 through 20 on this list are a little bit harder to pin. Um, so Natalie Achan was a really interesting one because personally as you said she's like she's one of my favorite players in the league one of my favorite people in the league um and so it's hard to kind of uh parse that and and what i actually feel about her play on the court uh what i wrote in my piece um and i'll kind of give you the spark notes version here what really impresses me about achan was just kind of her ability to to um provide value in the in the margins of the game and what i mean by that is that she's not going to wow you with stats she's not you know going to she doesn't knock down threes she doesn't do anything really on the court that's super flashy but she sets really good screens and she's really smart rolling to the hoop and she's pretty good with her defensive rotations little things like that that we don't talk about a lot but that at this place in the list is, is extremely valuable and basically every team can use a Natalie Achanwa. Now, as far as her fit with the fever, as you mentioned, I think that's where it gets a little more murky because what we saw this year was that Marianne Stanley valued Achanwa's leadership so much, she valued her intelligence so much that she ended up starting her over 
um, Tierra McCowan for the majority of the season. And that is where things, I think, start to get uh, dangerous because when you're not starting the, the, the core of your franchise, the future of your franchise, the best player on your team, when, when McCowan is coming off the bench, you know, 12 of the 22 games, that's a problem. And so I think that is something that they really have to look at um, as far as do they want to bring a Chanwa back? Is is this going to continue to be a competition for who's going to play center? Because to me, it's clear cut. You start McCowan and a Chanwa comes off the bench. It was not that way this year. And I think that's going to be a, um, a major factor uh, kind of in, in a Chanwa's free agency. And then quickly, as far as Charles is concerned, look, people might think that it's disrespectful to have her this low on the list. This is simply a, a, a question mark. We don't know what we're going to get from Tina Charles in 2021. And what we do know is that she she really fell off a cliff defensively uh, in 2019. So I think that, that that's a real concern. She's, she's now on the other side of 30. Um, and you simply don't know what you're going to get from her. And so that's why she's, she's this far down the list. I'm still putting her one spot ahead of, of Natalie Achanwa, just because the ceiling is obviously a little bit higher. Yeah, no, I, I hear, I completely hear that and respect that. I mean, even with initial reports saying that Charles will be coming back to DC, honestly, that gives me more questions than anything else, just based on what was successful in the championship run for DC, but that's not here nor there. Number 16, Raquana Williams, the microwave. Uh, shout out to John W. Davis for that one. But <laughs> I, honestly, I like her at 16 because what you were saying is like 15 would be starters or whatever. 15 and below would be starters. Raquana Williams, while I think she could be a starter in the league, I think we've seen it's pretty clear that her coming off the bench is one of the most powerful weapons, not only that the Los Angeles Sparks had, but that any team has really had coming off the bench. You know, she's the microwave for a reason. So no debate there for me. Um, I do think that you could possibly argue that, you know, in some people's eyes, she's higher on this list uh, only because of that ability. Because you have to kind of go into it. You're viewing it from starters, whatever. If I'm a GM of a team, they're going to have a completely different list. Let's say they just need one bench player and they feel like they're championship contenders. Raquana Williams might be the number one on their list because She's that talented coming off the bench and can put up that many points. Number 15, another another scorer, another person uh, who, you know, from I like to say from the minis to the majors, you know, coming from one of those teams that maybe doesn't get the most uh, attention, most respect, Indiana Fever these days of recent, no shade, uh, to Erica Wheeler winning the All-Star MVP nod was really highly anticipating this season. She was not able to play during due to COVID-19. Um, but she's, she's an interesting one in number 14, Amanda Zowie B. So kind of, uh, give me a, a, the, the cliff notes on those three. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a fun, fun part of the list. Uh, just as far as the microwave is concerned really quick, I think you, you bring up a really solid point, which is that it's almost a little reductive to look at this list solely through the lens of starters versus bench players, right? Because if we plug Raquana Williams on the 2020 Las Vegas Aces, do we have a different do we have a different story that unfolds in the playoff? Probably not because Seattle was that good. They were that much better than everyone else. But it's at least worth considering, right? That 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 she's a type of player that just about every team could use. Uh Erica Wheeler, man, what a huge bummer not being able to see her come to the bubble this year. Um 
but she's she's someone that really fascinates me. I think just Indiana's future in general uh, is really intriguing. They have a lot of guards, and Kelsey Mitchell and Julie Almond, who I think are 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 pretty firmly there as like building blocks for this franchise, uh, have one year remaining on on their respective contracts. So it it, it begs the question does Indiana need Erica Wheeler anymore? And that, that feels really harsh to say because it's like she she was absolutely incredible in 2019 um, and and still, I think, has plenty left to offer. I don't think that was an aberration really at all. I think she's a really, really good player. I think her speed is something that I, that I continue to identify. I think when you have a point guard that just is able to zip up the floor and kind of you know, control and set the the pace for a team. I think that's really valuable when that player can also shoot from from deep. Um, but I just wonder, you know, with how Alleman played this year, do they do they move on from Erica Wheeler? I don't know. Uh, so that's kind of one I'm just lofting lofting into the void there for everyone to to consider. Zowie B is another one of my favorite players. I love Amanda Zowie B. Uh, I think everyone does. Um, and she's one of these players that like is just the perfect prototype for for the modern game. She's really solid defensively. She's really smart defensively. She's one of those kind of rare shot blockers who like doesn't chase the block, right? She just lets the blocks come to her, but she won't she won't you know get out of position trying to trying to pump up her block numbers. Uh, and she can shoot the three. So I think offensively, she still has a ways to go in terms of developing a full arsenal. But but solely on the fact that she can defend at an above average level and shoot the three uh, makes her a player that's going to be in very high demand, I believe, after the, the season she just had. And so I think she's one of the pieces to me that that's most interesting, especially because do we think that New York is dedicated to Kylie Shook and, and, and isn't going to bring Zowie B back? Or do we think that you can never have enough, you know, kind of stretch bigs? Uh, it's an interesting question. I, what, what do you, what do you see being the future of, of Amanda Zowie B in this league? For me, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm torn. I'm not going to lie. I'm torn. Cause I, I could see her as a very nice piece. Like, Let's be real for Tina Charles, for Zowie B, and for a few of these players, a majority of their, all right, Tina Charles maybe doesn't fall into this. I'm only saying because of the recency bias of being on New York for so long. But like a lot of these players just haven't had success. And I think a lot of that comes more so from the fact that they weren't on successful or talented enough rosters to be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for her, it's interesting because I can look at this past season and I can say, you know, they had four vets on the team, basically, and they and they ran them as much as they wanted, you know, filled the stat sheets. Let's see what we got by at the same time seeing what we got from the youth. Um, she's an interesting one. I could see her going on to a a playoff team being the the first big off the bench and possibly, you know, inserting herself into a situation where it's more of a big by trial or a big by committee type situation. Would I be shocked? No. Could I see her going on to a playoff team starting and um, winning the, you know, it, it, let's put it this way. I could see her starting on a playoff team. No question. Um, if she's going to be on a championship team I th- or even a finals team, I think she would have to be the worst player in that starting five. And that's not a knock to her. I just think 
that that's the way it is. I don't mean that with any shade or anything like that. Um, let's move on to number 13, number 12, and number 11. <laughs> Possibly the spiciest of all this because it is. Yeah, Benajelani, who had a ridiculous season, gets cut by the Indiana Fever a couple weeks before the season, gets signed a couple weeks, but like a day later uh, by the Atlanta Dream, comes in, amazes head coach Nikki Collin with her, not her, like she was signed for defense. We've all heard the story. She signed for defense. She explodes on offense, wins most improved player of the season, played amazing is a two-way player. Play, you know, teams love two-way players. The question's more so with the great season that she had, she's obviously grown interest. This, this is not a joke that she's at 13 when you have Kayla McBride and Jasmine Thomas at 12 and 11 and just wait till we get uh, to the top 10 list. Um, she's a player who's obviously going to have a lot of interest. Obviously has to be high on the list. Kayla McBride's one of those players who... We all have those high expectations, a, a, a high up there draft pick for the Aces, or I guess back then for the Stars, um, a player who, I don't mean this with shade, I when I see her play, I think of her as like uh, the poor man's Maya Moore. She does all those things that Maya Moore does just on a lower level. She has that similar style of play. Are we going to see her take that next step? And, and obviously, it's just my opinion, so people are going to call me crazy for calling her the poor man's Maya Moore. But hey, that's the way I see it. They have that similar style of play, but we haven't seen the consistency from Kayla McBride. I kind of use this past season as a wash. Maybe I'm too too quick to say that the 2020 WNBA season in the Wubble is a wash in the sense of, you know, with Kayla McBride, you know what you're going to get from her. She underperformed this past season. And so for me, you know, every season going into the season, we're hoping, oh, is she going to exceed expectations, exceed expectations? This season, she underexceeded. Do I think that that's kind of a path for the rest of her career? Not at all. I still have hopes for her growing and getting better. And then Jasmine Thomas at 11, wrapping up the uh, the back end of the 20. I mean, Jasmine Thomas is a great player. She exploded in one playoff game, and I thought I was going to have to eat my words because something that I have consistently said over the past few years with Connecticut is someone needs to be that playoff star. Someone needs to step up in those moments. Jasmine Thomas did it in one game, and then we didn't really see it for the most of the rest of the playoffs. Uh, which I think is a concern, but she's still that player that can get you. Like, we're all talking about a player who helped and was a key clog in getting the team to the playoffs. Uh, so I think we kind of need to tone back on the hate on her just a little bit. Talk to me about your thoughts of those three, and then we will quickly preview the next five. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, as you said, probably the spiciest portion of the list. I have a lot of thoughts, so I'll try to try to make it you know, somewhat speedy here. I'll actually go backwards with Jasmine Thomas first. I think it's interesting that you say that because while I don't necessarily disagree with with your assessment of her play, and and it is true, it's just uh, a fact that she can be hot and cold offensively and that they kind of needed her scoring punch in some of those games in the playoffs that she was not able to provide uh, that, you know, electric first half nonwithstanding. Um, but I actually think it's interesting because I think we always frame these things like how how did Jasmine Thomas perform in the playoffs through the lens of offense? And to me, we Very also have point. to look at the ball. And Jasmine Thomas, you know, the fact that that Connecticut Sun roster forced the Aces to five games and a gritty five games, a you know, all the all the adjectives that people use to to constantly describe the sun, right? They were fitting. They were apt. Like, it was true. And the reason that they got as far as they did and they overachieved 
was because of their defense and who was leading the charge in many ways, in my opinion, in many respects, I think it was Jasmine Thomas. So I think her star potential, while I totally see what you're saying, the reason that she's as high as she is on this list to me is like consistently her defense is going to be really, really good. And I think if you can, you know, deny opposing guards the ball, if you can muck up pick and rolls, uh, I think that's really, really valuable come playoff time. And so I, I, that's why she's ranked as high as she is. The Laney versus McBride thing is very interesting because, um, you know, formulating this list to me was almost like an exercise in controlling my recency bias because the the original iteration of this list had Laney not only in the top 10, but like considerably higher. Like I, I really, I think, overreacted to the one season. Um, and so I kind of had to, you know, talk things over for with you with with some of our other editors at Winsider and um and kind of see if we could find and strike a balance between like hey she played really really well last year we still have to kind of consider that this was a, a 22 game season in very odd circumstances and so I think that's kind of how we landed with McBride at 12 and Laney at 13. McBride's someone who I just am not going to hold this season against her. She, she, you know, I, I linked to her players tribune piece in the, um, in the rankings. And I think that everyone should go check that out. If you haven't, I think a lot of people were just dealing with anxiety and, and just mental strain this year. That is just, you know, we sometimes forget about and just has to be accounted for in a list like this. So while maybe I wanted to put Laney above McBride, because anyone who watched basketball this year, um, you know, could clearly say that Laney was was one of the better players in this league, whereas McBride was really, you know, really struggled over the course of the season, and especially in in the finals was was pretty rough. Um, but I, I think we just have to take the the bigger picture into in into consideration. I think Kale McBride is going to be a really solid player in this in this league for a long time. Not many players can shoot it like her. You know, she does not detract from your from your overall defense. Um, and so that's why she landed at 12. But I, st- I still am really high on Laney. I think Minnesota, your links are kind of a, a perfect fit for. They have the cap space. They have the need at the wing if, if Maya Moore is not going to return. And uh, she's just one of those players that fits into any lineup. Like a wing, you know, who plays the three, who can shoot threes, who can drive, who can create, who can defend. Uh, that that's never going out of style. And so I think that, that Laney might command more interest than McBride does, but I'm, I'm keeping McBride a spot above her um, just because, you know, I'm not willing to discount the, the years that led up to 2020 um, in my rankings. Oh, definitely. And, and also on, on the Laney topic, it's, it's funny because, you know, Laney is the ideal player for a team that's number one focus is de- like, she we've we've heard it you know she came in because of defense and then she exploded on offense and I agree with you I mean like what what is one of the links maybe problems in the past has been that they've picked players that either their focus was solely offensively and maybe didn't fully deliver offensively and have obviously lacked defensively or they picked players who lack who were just solely defensive players and then the team couldn't produce points. So I, I, I do agree with you. I'm sure uh, Cheryl Reap would jump the chance to get her. We'll have to see as we get later on. I'm going to list 
the the next five and I kind of want you to just break it down for me what you're thinking. This is a preview. We will be releasing this, uh, probably releasing it as you hear it now. Um, but Cheyenne Parker at 10, Chelsea Gray at 9, Ariel Powers at 8, her teammate Emma Mieseman at 7, and Alicia Clark at 6. This is where it gets juicy because there's only 10 top 10 spots. All right. There's a lot of free agents in the league. You know, talk to me through your process of these five because I could very easily. I mean, there's a lot of. I'm looking at the the one through five list, and there's a lot of big names. Could I see a name? You know, an Emma Mieseman, Alicia Clark, and Ariel Powers, or a Chelsea Gray hop into that top five and not think you're crazy? Yes. Talk to me about six through ten. Yeah, absolutely. This is where it gets so good. I mean, this free agent class is loaded. Like, I, I immediately regretted pitching this to you when I started to actually try to rank players because it's so fun in theory to be like, yeah, I'm going to rank the free agents. And then I got to the top 10 and I was like, this is absurd and impossible. Um, so I honestly think like these five players, you could put them in any order you could even mix some of the of the lower members of the top five in with these players and just shuffle them randomly and come come up with another top 10 and I think that would be entirely acceptable and you could argue that 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 would be the way to go so I think we're really like splitting hairs here as far as the the rankings are concerned but what I will say is again like a a recency bias thing I originally had uh, Cheyenne Parker ahead of Chelsea Gray and again, that might just be, you know, biases. Like I, I, I spent a little more time uh, writing about and considering the sky this year. Um, and, and Cheyenne Parker is another one of my personal favorites. Um, but I also think that, that her ability to shoot threes, which is kind of a newfound ability, um, or maybe not newfound, but, but newly flaunted for the world, she's, she's putting it you know, on display that she can shoot a high volume from three and knock them down at a really good rate. I mean, I don't think enough was made of the fact that she shot 47% from three-point land this year on considerable volume. Like, she she wasn't shy in taking them. Uh, and she plays really good defense. She's incredibly clutch. I mean, whenever the Sky had close games this year, Cheyenne Parker was getting buckets in the final couple minutes. And she was making really canny defensive plays that sealed a lot of victories for Chicago. And that's a real area where they struggle and have continued to struggle defensively. So I think her value is pretty self-evident. Um, Chelsea Gray is an interesting one because she she had probably one of the worst games of her life at the worst possible time. You know, going into your free agency season. Mm-hmm. You've got a single elimination playoff game. You've got one of LA's big three, you know, out. And and the other two have to step up. Candace Parker, who obviously is in the top five of this list, stepped up in a major way. And Gray did not. Um, but she's still number nine because point guards are kind of a rarity. Elite point guards are a rarity. There are only so many of them in this league. And again, we have to take the full picture into consideration here. If, if you can go out and get gray, uh, then, then you do it. And you don't really think twice about one, you know, subpar 40 minutes. Um, Powers and Mieseman, I put out a Twitter poll because I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I don't know who's better. I don't know who I'd want more. Uh, both these players are great and they're very different. 
Um, I think Powers is is interesting because we didn't really see, you know, it was a very tantalizing season for her, right? Like she had played like six games, something like that, and uh, and was incredible, electric. She was she was scoring, she was flying all over the place on defense, you know, knocking down shots from deep, slicing into the lane. So I think her ceiling is actually higher than Mitzman's personally. And I think that Powers is somebody, and I tweeted this out a couple of weeks ago, I think Powers to to Vegas would be the type of fit that makes way too much sense. Um, but I think Miesemann gets the nod here one spot above her because, you know, consistent. We've seen her win finals MVP. That is just like in one of the great series of all time, really. I mean, the the the, the 2019 finals were, were pretty legendary. And Emma Miesemann was voted the the most valuable player in that series. Now you could make an argument that that John Quell Jones might have been, you know, the most valuable player. But regardless, incredibly talented. And then Alicia Clark at six is a is an odd one because it's like she's coming off her best season at the age of 33. What do you do with that? Uh I think I think it's sustainable because her brand of basketball is is very conducive to, you know, aging gracefully within the, the the confines of the league. So I think that her ability to just knock down shots from deep and and play, you know, near defensive player of the year level defense uh, makes her extremely, extremely attractive to every single team in this league. I don't think anyone's going to be able to pry her from Seattle personally, um, but but teams would would be foolish not to try. I completely agree with all that. Um, I think an interesting aspect, obviously, Chelsea Gray, you know, I'm not going to talk to Parker about Parker just because James Wade, we've had him on the show. We've had him in the film room. He just raves about her over and over. I know the importance that she plays to that team and to any team that she would be on. She's she's a baller. Chelsea Gray, I agree with you. You know, bad season, not what we would expect from her, but she's still a top three uh, point guard in this league. So if you have a chance to get her this free agency period, you jump at that because there's many teams that could use that. Emma and and Powers are an interesting one for me because I this is going to sound so crazy, but I'm just going to say like the assertiveness of Powers and that style of play that she has makes her, you know, more appealing to me in free agency. That being said, I think right now Emma Miesman might be the better player. Um, I don't think too many people disagree with me on that. I completely agree with you. And Alicia Clark, everything you say, I just applaud it and agree. Everyone will have to tune in next time to hear our top one through five or just read it on winsider.com. That's winsider.com for all of your WNBA reading needs. Owen, thank you so much for joining me. I know we went a little bit over. We both got days to get back to, but we will be back next week for another episode of the Winsider Show.